Transition partners take mental health very seriously. We are now supporting Claro Mental Health Charity, who are local and based in Harrogate. We are working closely with Richard Kenny, who is the IT director at Tech Buyer. Claro operates as a commercial workshop making goods for businesses, which enable those with long-term mental health conditions to function in a voluntary real work environment. We would love it if you can join us in supporting this amazing cause and charity and donate what you can. Any any amount would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much and thanks to all our listeners. Hi, this is the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. My name's Ellie Greening. And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars, and their learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences, and have a good laugh along the way. Hello everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. This week I could not be happier because our good friend and client Mick Holden is on the show who is the head of engineering at Conveyor Insurance. Mick is a great friend and client to both Sandra and myself. He's a successful head of engineering at Conveyor Insurance who are a UK underwriting business of leading French mutual insurance group Conveyor and offer commercial motor and high net worth property and protection insurance to its standard and poor A-plus stable rating. In 2017, Conveyor Insurance served over 1.9 million policyholders and generated 739 million in premiums. Mick is responsible for a team of 120 plus, most of which has been grown out for the past 12 months in, with offices based in Halifax, Reading and Westmoreland. It's a fast-growing agile team who have recently been short- shortlisted for the best place to work in digital by the 2020 Computing Digital Technology Leaders Award. Hello, Mick. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? It sounds like you know more about me and my company than I do. <laughs> I've done my research. Yeah, if you put me on the spot, I wouldn't have been able to say any of that. <laughs> Fantastic! Thanks for uh, coming on the show, and uh, finally, uh, it's good to get you on on board. Yeah, I've been dodging this one for a while, so <laughs> I know I have to take my medicine and do this one now. <laughs> so, first of all, I would like to say to tell all our listeners and viewers, um, Mick Holden is actually only thirty-two. Um, and he's one step away from sea level, which is a fantastic achievement. Um, now, I'm going to ask you to talk about your story next. And I, I kind of thought that you might leave that one out. So I thought it'd be good to, to let everyone know how much you have achieved in such a short space of time. Um, so I'll um, hand over to you now to tell everyone more about you and how you got into tech and, and how you got to where you are today. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for the shout out as well. I don't look 32. I've aged horribly recently. <laughs> Corona's not been kind to me. Um, <laughs> so so uh, where do I start? Um, so a, a quick sort of journey through my career then. Um, so originally from Durham, so a massive Newcastle United fan. I said to my mum, I'd get that in as a shout out to how are the lads and all that. Um, and then um, I, uh, I went to Leeds Met Uni. 
and uh, I did exactly what anyone would do at uni, which is not really go to uni, but just learn life skills and drink and make friends. Um, and I distinctly remember one day waking up and going, oh, I've not done any of my coursework for this module. Um, and that module was Oracle. And I very nearly failed that module. Um, a, a kind um, teacher took pity on me and kind of helped me through that, uh, through that course, put it that way. Um, and then uh, the, the economic crash happened in 2008. So at the time I was working in a, a Sky call centre, just selling Sky, which I suppose aligns with my gift of the gab. Um, <laughs> you certainly have that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I saw one day that um, Morrison Supermarkets were advertising for like an Oracle analyst, Oracle developer junior position. And I thought maybe I could kind of do that because I had a really fantastic time at uni learning about that. Um, and to be fair, Morrison's, they took me on. It was my first sort of career in tech. Um, they, they made the, the early parts of my career. I mean, when I joined Morrison's, I didn't know what a contractor was or what a service integrator was or, or any of these sort of acronyms that we use. And it was a really great place to learn, to understand how a big corporation used IT for the good and for the bad. Um, did a few years of development, absolutely loved it, and was really lucky to work with some amazing people. And then at that sort of time, maybe sort of 2010, the industry sort of fashion was, let's outsource everything. Mm. Uh, and I looked at my career and went, I don't want to get outsourced. Maybe I should do some sort of management-y, leadership-y type thing. Um, and luckily, I was working for two people who are super amazing there. So John Elliott, who's now, I think, CTIO at Sainsbury's, and oh, cool. Jennifer Mossop-Scott, who I think is like a director of technology or something at Talk Talk. I lose track of how amazing their job titles get these days. <laughs> um, and they went, maybe you should do some implementation stuff. Um, and it was my first time of kind of like managing people without line managing them. So like delivery through others. Uh, did a massive um, release of our, our core program, which was all based on Oracle, which is quite, <laughs> quite ironic because the irony, the irony, the, the, the person who nearly failed their Oracle module still, I think, holds a record for the, the largest Oracle retail implementation in Europe is still on my CV. <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, uh, and then after that, like all programs come to an end. So I had to find like a real job at Morrison's at that point. Uh, did various sort of leadership roles around the technology that I put in because I had that subject matter expertise, learned how mm -hmm. to deal with stakeholders, senior stakeholders. And then after, I think, nine, eight or nine years there and probably eight or nine CIOs in eight or nine years, I got mm -hmm. a bit change fatigued at Morrison's and was kind of like, well, maybe I'm just good at Morrison's because I know how everything works and who everyone is. So I wanted to test my skill set elsewhere. I took the very scary decision to jump from a really rapid changing company in Morrison's to um, a sort of a, a more slow paced traditional utility company at Yorkshire Water. Mm -hmm. um, so worked for a lovely lady there called Pearl Murphy. Um, and, and Pearl was very honest about the challenges at Yorkshire Water and said, I don't understand this agile thing. It just sounds like a bunch of cowboys um, who don't follow the rules. <laughs> Can you come and fix my uh, development and architecture functions? Um, and that was a you know a new challenge all over again. Had to build relationships with uh, with new business people, with new stakeholders, un unlearn and kind of reinstall technology in my mind because I'd been so Morrisonized. Met some great <laughs> friends um, there, you know Simon Binsfall, Stu Mitchell. They really sort of 
yeah. introduced a number of concepts to me, be it modern ways of architecture, how to, you know, align with the outside world with Gartner, and even introducing me to you two. Um, that's how I met Transition Partners. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, loved it at Yorkshire Water, and it's probably one of my biggest frustrations that I never kind of finished that journey there. Um, so they, mm. they work in, in long investment cycles, and they were at the end of an investment cycle. And uh, it was clear that it was going to get a little bit stuck in the mud for a couple of years. Um, so when I get bored, I up and leave. Um, and uh, that brings us to 2019. That was a hell of a year in my career. I had four permanent jobs in 12 months in 2019. Um, so I left Yorkshire Water in the January to go and have a new adventure in London and work for a big um, advertising firm called WPP. So like, they're the biggest advertising firm that no one's ever heard of. They do about 60%. 60% of all adverts in the UK are done by WPP. And um, it, it, it just wasn't the right fit. So the combination of being in London, you know, I'm a northern lad, all of the travelling, um, the role wasn't what I thought it was going to be. They weren't what I thought I, that I was going to be. Um, and I, we agreed um, that it wasn't really working out and uh, took a nice little pill off and ran away. Um, <laughs> ran back up north. Ran back up north. Um, you enjoyed a few months um, in your back garden, didn't you? Drinking. Uh, yeah, I had, I, had about a month, I had about a month and a half in my back garden. And, you know, if only I knew what lockdown would have been like. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had a month and a half and it was the most boring time I've ever had in my life because I had nothing to do and no output, no purpose. Um, and then someone I used to work with at Morrison's, Malcolm Seagrave, who seems to know absolutely everybody in West mm -hmm. Yorkshire and, and digital are doing mm -hmm. some amazing stuff, come and work for us. Um, and Ander are a really interesting company because you think that they're like this big sort of massive company, but actually they're a collection of little startups. Uh, I joined the Halifax startup and it really had that startup feel. It was really raw and it was so much different. Mm -hmm to what I would have from Morrison's and from Yorkshire Water, you know, sort of like traditional companies. Mm -hmm. um, and had a great time there. And they placed me in about May or June of 2019 at Conveyor Insurance uh, as the head of engineering. And I met um, the new CTIO, who's my current boss, Graham, Graham Howard. And he completely sold what he was going to do to Conveyor to me. And it was such an exciting opportunity. I remember sitting at home going, can, can I move again? Is that even me? <laughs> I'm not sure what the tax man's going to say about that. Um, and, you know, to be fair to Anne Digital, they were super mature about it. They, mm -hmm. they let me follow my dreams. I, you know, thank you very much for that. Um, and, yeah, I think I joined officially to Conveyor as the head of engineering in about October 2019. And I remember sitting down at Christmas and just being like, I am knackered. It's been a hell of a year. <laughs> What year? And 2020 was going to be mine and my wife's year to absolutely smash out of the park and go travelling and be happy oh. with what we've got. And then coronavirus happened. Oh, <laughs> oh well, you'll just do do, um, do do the double double of what you planned this year in uh, 2021, can't you? That's the hope. But yeah, that's a whistle-stop tour through my career. Probably more than 10 minutes, sorry. It's all right. Fantastic. You, you know what? It was, uh, I've heard that story a couple of times and I still laugh every time. Amazing. And, um, you know, the fact that, um, obviously, I'm dig digital, we're very um, sensible and grown up about the, the transition to 
Kavea is is amazing, um, and um, I, I could, could totally get you with Graham. I mean, I've only met um, in well, actually, I've met Graham a couple of times, but the first time I met Graham, um, I just remember saying afterwards, I was just like, oh my god, this guy is just like as a leader, amazing. Um, so um, yeah, fantastic. Sounds like you're in a great position now. Um, so a couple of couple of um, leadership questions for you now. um so what makes you in your opinion a great leader oh that's a good question um i'm gonna i'll I'll, I'll try and answer it honestly because lots of people who might watch this will be like mick's not a very good leader he's not (laughs) but um, i'd like to say that i'm a decent leader um i think for me um and it kind of comes back from my morrison's years and my personality type I'm I'm very binary. I'm I'm yes or no, and I can't I can't stand grey. So if there's a meeting or a decision to be made, I'm going to want to force a decision. Um, and sometimes that's at my deficiency because I can't think that strategically because I'm so let's get stuff done. Um, and I'm very bold and, and and potentially blunt with what I say. So I'm not I'm not afraid to stick the oar in and stick the boot in and, and make change. And that's kind of what's led me to, I think I stumbled into it. And it's only in the past couple of years I've realized that I think the thing that I'm very good at at digital is rebuilding potentially broken teams or departments. So I love to come in and go, right, I've got a bit of a playbook in my mind, the Mick Holden playbook of, you know, this is how we restructure things. This is how we make teams optimum. This is how we inspire people. This is, you know, you know, people, process, technology, finance. It's a really basic playbook, but it's so amazing how many people get stuck into the detail and can't step back and go, how do we just make decisions? How do we get stuff moving quickly? Um, you know, Cavair Insurance, when I first joined them, were a traditional red brick company. Same with Yorkshire Water. You know, those sort of companies don't make fast-paced decisions. Mm. That's another reason why I wanted to work with Graham. I could tell that he would give me the ability to make fast-paced decisions and let me mm. off the leash um so yeah i think that's what makes me good leave I, I genuinely care about people they're not just ftes or resources to deploy mm. to a project i do I, I reflect on all of the challenges that i've had in my career be it you know you don't have enough experience or you're too young and i'm determined for for people who work for me to not have those challenges um because i know how frustrating it is if, you, if you're good enough you're old enough as long as you're brave enough i suppose <laughs> fantastic i mean i personally think um for its worth you are a great leader um i mean i uh, you know whenever we have a candidates interview with you they i mean you're so inspirational and um makes our job very easy actually when i'm recruiting for you so yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so in your current role um I mean, obviously we're all going through generic challenges with the current um uh, corona situation but in general what what pain points and challenges are you experiencing um as a business and kind of let's hear more about your problem areas and maybe some solutions or ideas that you've come up with to overcome those yeah i think you know there's kind of there's personal problems and challenges there's kind of department challenges and then the business as a whole so, you know, I won't dwell too long on what's been quite well documented now around people's personal challenges and making sure you have a routine and go for walks and, and things like that. Um, we at, at Kaveya, we were really pushing hard to make sure that we had a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a branding around IT or technology, because 
similar to WPP that I mentioned in my earlier career, Kavea aren't really a company that you've heard of. You know, we do insurance for other people. It's a bit mm. of a joke. It's, we're the biggest insurance company you've never heard for uh, heard of. <laughs> and, you know, we were on this massive recruitment drive. And how do you make insurance interesting and sexy in Halifax, Reading and, and Kent, West Malling? Um, so we were going through a, a big rebranding exercise um, around, you know, Kavea Digital. Uh, and we were ready to launch it. And then coronavirus happened and we're in the insurance sector. So a couple of, couple of points there. One, the entire organization suddenly had to work from home and we've, you know, got some IT challenges, the same as everyone else. And with the way that we've overcome them have been brilliant, but the, the executive team, I don't think have worked with a, a really high functioning digital area before. So there was almost that expectation that we wouldn't really achieve anything. And it was sitting down with them and going, you know, we're prepared to, to smash this out of the park. And it took a while to convince them that we were actually capable of doing that. And we weren't just, you know, blowing smoke up our asses for want of a better word. Um, then there was the whole insurance sector in general. You know, there's a lot of press gone on around people not getting payouts for businesses, unethical practices, refunds of, uh, of car insurance. And at the end of the day, we have to follow um, not only what is our affinity marketplace, so, you know, we can't decide to refund, you know, some of our customers' um, insurance premiums unless one of our affinity partners decides to do it. Um, and then also, you know, we're owned by a large conglomerate in, in France. So we have to make sure that they're comfortable with what's going on and it's a big organization. Mm -hmm. And what that's led to is that sort of risk reward of how do we shout about Kavea and say that we're an amazing place to work. We're prepared to onboard people digitally. We're going to be Kavea digital versus how do we keep our heads down so that no one remembers that we're here so that we don't get put in the press and get told off for being a, a nasty insurance company um, with a massive backlog of work to do with an executive team going, yeah, yeah, you're all locked in. You won't get anything achieved. Um, so that's, that's been my sort of main challenge recently or challenges. So I would love to hear then, I've always seen that people, obviously you've grown and developed so quickly and we've known you what sort of four or five yeah, years four, now. Five years, yeah. And since then, like even watching um, your journey has been, has been amazing, amazing to watch. And, um, we all know that you learn the most when you're in sticky situations, right? When you're on project crashes <laughs> and things happen, that's when you come out of it the other side stronger, more experienced. So we would love to hear about like one of your biggest project failures, what that looked like and what you learned off the back of it, because I'm sure you've got something. Um... <laughs> It, I'll do one not at my current employer. Okay, good <laughs> um, idea. So, so when I was at um, Morrison's, I'd had like rapid career development and it was at that point the only part of my IT career and you start to kind of almost go, well, I can do no wrong. I, I can't make mistakes. Everything's going well. Golden boy. Absolutely. Um, and um, the Scottish alcohol laws had, had come in at that point in my career, which meant that you couldn't sell multi-packs of beer, like three beers, three packs for 20 quid. And I oversaw a team of engineers making the relevant changes so that Scotland would be able to do promotions, but in a, in a legal way. And, you know, we're under pressure from the exec. It was, you know, a, a real high profile piece of work. 
And I remember getting all of the information back from my team going, we kind of think this is going to work, but maybe can we have, you know, two or three more weeks to, to make sure that it's ready. And I was in charge of the development and the operations of this set of applications. And I took the decision that, ah, I can do no wrong. It'll be perfect. And I put the change in and it meant that a massive file went to every single till in every single store and crashed it, which meant that nearly every, well, every single store in Morrison's couldn't sell anything for about two to three hours. And I, Oh my God. (laughs) It it wasn't my, it wasn't my finest, um, my finest moments, and you know, I, oh I was in front God. of the so board for that. Every store in Scotland, the tills wouldn't work. Three hours, they were down, and you yeah. were in charge of that. And, and it was, it was no, my I fault. I was the one. Shoes then. No, and, and and to be fair, I probably should have paid a much higher price than I did. I was working for a brilliant management team. I think it would have been uh, Nick Cooper at the time, uh, Morrison's. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they realised that it was my first big balls up. They didn't hang me out to dry. They supported me. I did have to go and apologise to many important executive people at Morrison's, but I should have paid a higher price than I did. And it was definitely the the biggest learning point of my career, maybe even to date, which is, yeah, you know... A very, very big lesson to be learned there. <laughs> they didn't tell you how much the loss in revenue was, did they? Um, they did, but... Part of my brain has deleted that because <laughs> it was too scary. And yeah. what do you feel like you learned from that? Um, I, I think that um, it, it's a bit like um, kids growing up, really, isn't it? There's that phase where they feel like they're completely untouchable. They can't do any wrong. They can climb anything and they're not going to get hurt. And I think that as, as a leader, especially now in the, in the modern world where there are more and more amazing young people joining the world of digital, there's going to be more and more people challenging the status quo with no fear. That's what makes them amazing. Yeah. But trying to protect themselves from themselves and just going step back and really think about the consequences of your actions. Is this really right to put into production? You know, one thing that Morrison's always taught me is they're a retailer. You don't put any changes live at Christmas time. Um, <laughs> so you can, you can take that forward into the world of insurance and go when it rains, don't mess around with the phone systems because people might want to ring up and say that they need a claim on the home insurance. And it's just that sort of logic that, you know, fearless young people might, might skip forward. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm still bringing you out in cold sweats now, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have flashbacks now. <laughs> so your team then over the past 12 months has gone through a huge amount of change, huge amount of growth, which has been amazing to, to play a small part in that in, as well which has been yeah, really great fun but I'd love to your style like Sandra says we know when we have people interview you make they're always like wow this guy's impressive He's, you've got so much about you so passionate you're a great leader how do you other people out there struggle in in the current climate hiring great tech talent anyway like you say location can be challenging you're based in Halifax how do you attract and retain talent um, oh God, multi-layered answer. Um, I think, uh, one, you know, one of my old mentors, Bob Bentham, used to say, make sure you have a plan, because even if you don't get there, at least you've achieved something along the way. Um, there are so many people that just kind of stumble into organisations and then almost become part of the status quo and part of the furniture. And um, I go back to that's one of the reasons I wanted to work for Graham, because he was really clear about what he wanted and he was challenging me about what I wanted to do. And, you know, at the risk of being too cold, 
if you want to be a really great leader, you have to understand when things can and can't work. So you can't save everybody. You can't change everyone. You can't inspire everyone. And it's about being really honest and going, this is what I want to do. And then there'll be three, three or four groups of people. The people who go, that's brilliant. I've been waiting to do that for years. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. You just need to give them guide rails and set them off running. There's the people who are like, I'm not sure, but okay, you know, prove it to me. And they're, they're brilliant people to work with, make sure that they've got the support and that you can advance their careers. And then the, you know, for want of a better word, the dementors that just want to suck the life out of everything and go, ah, you'll never work. I'm going to look forward to seeing you fail. And where a lot of people make mistakes is they try and invest too much time in, you know, the naughty children in school, which means that the rest of the class doesn't learn anything. And it's about being able to, to be that person that everyone hates and go, right, we're going to have to make some changes here. I think it takes a lot to have to walk through a department with, you know, 200 sets of eyes staring at you going, you're the one that's put me on consultation or anything like that. But it, it, it's, it's worth it to get a harmonious, um, high functioning team or department at the end of it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of one aspect of it. Um, can I ask for the question to be repeated as well so I can think about the next lens on it? Yeah, around attracting and retaining the talent as well. Cool. So what that led to was from an attraction proposition, mm. um, it was almost a case of saying, right, there are certain companies that you can join where they've done all of the hard work and they're just, they've, they've already got the dream. You can just come and machine the dream out. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of people think that's great and then actually get a little bit bored of it because it's just the same thing every, every day. Whereas at Kavea, um, the, the attraction for me to almost, you know, I believed in it myself. You've got to believe in what you're doing. So mm. the attraction was there are so many gaps from the, what we've done and the way that we've created it that come in and don't just machine out the dream, come and be part of it, come and have your chance to reset and rebuild an amazing department aligned to a really key strategic you know, vision because Kaveya were pivoting towards how can we make amazing sets of technologies to you know, really add um, an, an attraction to our affinity partners so that we can move quickly. Mm. Um, from a retention perspective, I mean, you would argue if you're being really cynical that I've not been there long enough to have that challenge of, of retention. But um, I think it's about building brilliant teams. So my engineering leadership team, a lot of them have never actually worked in engineering before. And that really panics some people. But I think it, 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 that's what makes a brilliant team, which is the ability to bring different points of view mm -hmm. and different experiences. So um, someone that you know very well, Paul Pilling, um, Paul's come from a non-engineering background, but I saw cultural spark in him and he's been instrumental in helping me think about how to create high-performing teams. How do you avoid a situation of dead man's shoes where you sit down in a review with someone and go, you're brilliant, but for budgetary reasons, we're not going to give you any more money and you're not going to get a promotion even though you want it because Doris has been here for years and mm -hmm. she doesn't want to leave yet. You know, they're really interesting challenges to, to, yeah. to face. Um, and, you know, we're already seeing articles come out in the press now. What is it? 29% increase in IT recruitment now because all companies mm. are going, oh, yep, we've got massive holes in our working from home solution. So now more than ever is when retention is going to be absolutely key. I think even more so than sort of acquisition. It, it, how do you keep your employees motivated, happy and, and, and removing those blockers? Uh, you know, you can fire out normal buzzwords such as, 
pulse surveys to make sure people are happy, rewards and retention. But I think it just comes down to transparency and honesty. I think, I think, yeah, I completely agree. But I think the, the the other thing that I think you do very, very well is um, is is spotting and seeing um, talent um, and providing opportunities, giving people the right um, platform and environment for them to really develop quickly. You recognise their talent. I mean, like Rachel, for example, um, was one of your first hires. Um, and how how you know how far has she come along in in just under a year? Um, You're not afraid to give people that opportunity. No, I I, I mean, that's something for me that I personally enjoy. I go back to, there's so many examples of, you know, you must have 12 years experience in this coding language and the coding Mm -hmm. language has only been out three years. I I, I always used to look at it and go, how can I expect to have financial management if you don't give me the opportunity to manage finances in my current role? Um, and, and it held me back in sort of the middle period of my career where I was like, I can't get that next step because no one's going to give me the experience because I'm not yeah. brave enough or, or experienced enough to get it. And, and for me, you know, one of the things I always say in an interview is if your CV says that you can do something brilliant, I'm not going to ask you to prove that you can do it because you've said that you can do it. And that's what a probationary period's for. You know, if you're going to lie, I'm going to find out about it. For me, the interviews are more around are you someone that I want to work with? Do you want to work with me? Because, you know, I end up spending more time with some of these people than I do with my own family. Um, mm. And it, it, it's so key that people work mm. well together um, and that you can be honest with each other. And I think that's what, that was what drives a really high-performing team. So, yes, I've taken, you know, a number of gambles on people with, you know, who potentially would have been too young in their careers in the eyes of a, of a, a normal organisation or who haven't been necessarily as experienced in the disciplines that they want. But that, that's what creates a hungry team as well. You know, I'm going yeah. to give them a shout out now. My leadership team in engineering, they are hungry for success and they push each other on all the time. So actually motivation is less of an issue for me because they're all motivating each other. That's really great. Fantastic. Amazing. So um, another question for me, what are you most passionate about um, at the moment? And you can... I mean, you could give us a, a work example, personal example, or one of each. Up to you. Oh, that's, I'm passionate about the Newcastle United potential takeoff. <laughs> that'll, that'll be nice for us to actually have some. That will be there. nice, wouldn't it, if that happens? Yeah. Um, so I'll try and do a, a digital one. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really passionate about the way that coronavirus is going to shake up the marketplace. I know that's a bit of a strange one to say. But in mm-hmm. March, it was like, oh, my God, what's the world coming to? Whereas, yeah, real doom and gloom. <laughs> Whereas now in July, we're in a situation where, you know, most people in technology look like rock stars in their current organizations because they've, you know, helped everyone work from home. And it's the first time that the, the, the industry is really having to think about how we operate for a long time. So how do we do knowledge sharing and transfer where we can't all get together? You know, that's a real challenge. Um, However, opportunity is I've had real challenges with getting some skill sets into certain locations that I'm recruiting into. Actually, I could hire someone who lives and works in Manchester. I might never meet them because location is completely irrelevant now. And I think that there's going to be over the next six months sort of a couple of types of companies Companies that have forward-thinking people and are not afraid to make some potentially weird recruitment decisions are going to really see things move quickly for them and, and 
attract and retain lots and lots of talent. Whereas the classic, oh, well, you know, when it all goes back to normal, you will have to be in the office five days a week. And, you know, this role is based in Halifax. You live in Edinburgh. Oh, that's not going to work. Um, it, it's just, I, I think that's what's really exciting, that the industry's forcing itself to rethink how we all work right. together. That's what makes me passionate because there are so many opportunities because no one's got that de facto playbook of this is how you do IT in a coronavirus world. Yeah, fantastic. Did you see that um, Morrison's, have, Morrison's have announced four-day working week? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one because not everyone wants the same thing. Uh, my immediate reaction for that was, oh, I don't like the look of that, whereas certain <laughs> people think that's absolutely brilliant. I know some people mm. there who do think it's brilliant. Um, you know, it, it's, we're going to have to have something for everyone because, you know, my personality type is I'd like to be in an office five days a week. There's no chance in hell that that's really going to happen and I'm going to have mm -hmm. to go through an iteration of that. Um, there are some people who never want to be in an office and are quite happy to work from home because their work-life balance is going to be amazing. I just, I think that uh, uh, leaders in technology, um, you know, HR and technology are always two separate things in most organisations. They need to come together and think of modern working practices because there are going to be a lot of organisations that get caught out being flat-footed with a lack of space, a lack of correct space in the environment, different recruitment processes. Yeah, it's just it's going to be painful. The whole blanket approach thing is just not going to work anymore, is it? And I think, no. I think that's, like you say, one thing's going to shape up the technology and what it looks like for teams and management leadership. The past five months have been the biggest learning curve that any of us could have had. But then hopefully you've just got to take the positive impact off the back of it, haven't you? So um, interesting to hear to hear you say about that. But I'd love to hear, finish the podcast, what are you most excited about? Have you got any big plans on the horizon? What's coming up with Kavea and anything person, any personal projects that you're looking forward to? Cool. Oh, lots of things. Um, <laughs> so, um, my, uh, my wife says I never celebrate things. So um, I've pushed and pushed and pushed for X amount of years to get different jumps in my career. And I always used to say to her, you know, I'd love to be a head of, I'd love to be a head of. And then I got to be a head of engineering and I was just so busy. I was just like, yeah, now I want to go and do something else, you know, onwards and upwards. And she's kind of gone, you need to stop and celebrate what you've achieved. So that's going to be one thing that I'm going to try and be passionate about, which is my current role. You know, I want to celebrate the people that have got me to where I've got um, in, in my career. Um, I want to reward myself. So I'm in that lovely position where I'm thinking, should I get a new car, a, a nice new car, <laughs> when I can't drive yeah. it anywhere and it makes no sense <laughs> to get one. Um, so that, that would be like a, a nice personal thing. Um, but I'm, I'm excited that and, and passionate about the people around me in my leadership team that I work mm -hmm. for at my company. I have the best platform to succeed. And I've not felt like that in a long time. And, you know, I've always been a driven person. I always want more in my career. The only thing that's going to hold me back now is me. And therefore, I'm kind of going through a period of self-reflection to go, am I prepared to put in the hard yards to change some mannerisms that have been, you know, in, in, in my personality for a long time? Change Personal change is difficult to make that next step 
or do I go, do you know what? I'm really happy with what I what I do and where I am and I'll accept my foibles. So something that, tells me that is not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well uh, I, I hope not. Um but as I say, I've I've got someone pushing pushing me all the time and it you know it's challenging, it hurts, it's mm-hmm. stressful, but it's it's super rewarding for my personality type at least anyway. So that's what that's what you know the next X years look like for me. I love that, that you're still focusing on that personal development for yourself. Like you say, longer term, that sea level. So it's a a stone's throw away from where Mm. you are right now. It's so you as well. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) But but like you say, there are like that personal development piece that you'll have to work on. But I think like that's, it's amazing that you're able to pick that out and you're going to, well, after you've celebrated where you've got to so far. And I love that too, because so many of us set goals, you hit the goals, next goal is just, and you never take time to reflect and really appreciate all the hard work that you've put into it and the amazing things that you've done. You've got to be able to enjoy that journey. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you do have something so special going on in, like, not just Halifax, obviously Reading and Westmoreland as well, but, like, the team and the, the culture there is so unique, isn't it? I think it's... um. It's brilliant. You know, we we wish nothing but success for you and the, and the wider team. Absolutely. Thank you for helping us uh, create it. But yeah, plug plug for Cavea Digital. Awesome place to work. Come and work <laughs> yeah. with an amazing group of people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's been amazing you have having you on the show, Mick. If anyone wants to reach out, is it LinkedIn best form of contact? Yeah, link, LinkedIn's always the best way to uh, to get me. Um, although I, I think half of West Yorkshire seems to have my work number, so I'm sure I'll get some <laughs> but yeah no th- thanks for having me on hope i didn't waffle too much no that was amazing thank you very much and um it's so nice as well to be back in the studio together because yeah. me and sandra have been uh working from separate laptops for a long time so first time we've been able to record a show that socially distant it's been great fun so one um, meter yeah. apart i hope yes we are <laughs> amazing thank you so much for coming on the show Mick thank you Bye. thank you very much thank you bye